Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Thus ends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it pay heed to the words of Christ. Schools have shut their doors. Universities have gone to online classes. Mickey Mouse has taken a vacation. And even LeBron James is forced to sit the bench. Is this wisdom? Is this fear? Is it panic? Is it a combination of the three? Uh, how should we as Christians live our lives in a time like this? Should we be afraid? Should we be brazen and bold, throw caution to the wind? But more importantly, where exactly does God fit in the midst of all of this? In the, in the 14th century, Europe was overwhelmed by one of the worst diseases that humans had ever encountered. In the span of about four years, uh, the Black Plague wiped out nearly 50 million people, or about half of that, of that continent's population. I mean, that's a tragedy beyond comprehension. And it left Europe in a, in a state of panic for generations. You see, this plague never really died out. It, it would reemerge every so often, devastating communities once again. In the summer of 1527, the, this Black Death came to the, the, the city of Wittenberg, Germany. And while many were rightfully fleeing for their lives, it was Martin Luther and his wife Kitty that, that stayed. And the reason they remained was, can, be, can be summed up in, in Martin's own words. Listen to what he said. Yes, no one should dare leave his neighbor unless there are others who will take care of the sick in their stead and nurse them. In such cases, we must respect the word of Christ. I was sick and you did not visit me. According to this passage, we are bound to each other in such a way that no one may forsake the other in his distress, but is obliged to assist and help him as he himself would like to be helped. You see, Martin had come to the conclusion that as a Christian, he was under the obligation to put his own life at risk in order to serve his neighbor. And, th and this, this was particularly true for those who held specific skills or were in positions of authority. He argued that anyone who held a position of service to another had a professional commitment not to flee. For, for any in ministry... He said that they must remain steadfast before the peril of death. Those who were sick, those who were dying, needed a good shepherd who would strengthen and comfort them, delivering to them the good news of Jesus Christ before their death. 
He also argued that, that public officials such as, as mayors and, and judges were to, were to stay put and maintain civic order. Doctors and officers of the peace must continue in their vocational duties. And parents should not abandon their children if they get sick, but they should be there for them in their most desperate hour. And both Martin and, and his wife Kitty, they, they backed up these sentiments by opening up their own home to care for the sick and preaching Christ to those who were on their deathbeds. And yet, Martin he also recognized that not all were called to stay. For God had given to man a sense of self-preservation as well. Therefore, he, he encouraged others who, to, to, to not expose themselves in a reckless manner. If, if one's neighbor was already looked upon, then there was no need for further exposure, for further risk. Today we are dealing with a threat that is not as severe as a black plague. Still, COVID-19 or the coronavirus, uh, it, it's a pandemic. That's what it's been labeled officially. And, and, and there have been and there will be many who will die from this virus. And we, as Christians, we're called to wrestle with this issue and to answer many of the same questions that, that, that Martin Luther faced. Questions like, should I, should I take my kids out in public? Should I stop going out altogether? Should we close the doors to the church, just as all the other institutions are doing? Or should we leave them open in order to help a world that is panicking? What should we as Christians do in the face of, a, of this growing health crisis? My, my hope this morning is to, is to look at three questions in particular and to see what the Bible has to say about each. First question, why COVID-19? Second, how should we as Christians respond? And finally, what can COVID-19 teach us? That being said, let's, let's jump into our first question. Why the coronavirus? Why COVID-19? This same question could be asked of any natural evil, that is, any evil that isn't caused by man per se. For instance, why, why the tornadoes that, that hit Tennessee? Or why the, the earthquakes in Puerto Rico? Why COVID-19? And what, what makes this question so difficult from a Christian perspective is that, is that we believe that God is both sovereign over all of his creation and that he is good as well. If, if he is in control of all things, then, then how can he let this happen? I mean, if God really cared, wouldn't he put a stop to this? This is your classic question of why does a good God allow evil to exist. Now there are a number of ways that man has tried to answer this question throughout the ages, and I'm going to highlight two of the most common ways. Um, the first is to say that, well, God's not sovereign. He isn't in control of all things. Typically, this, this will take some type, some form of dualism. Uh, dualism is, is where, where there's not one, but two competing powers in the universe, uh, a God of good and a God of evil. 
a yin for every yang. And, and this is what we see in, in most religions that are not monotheistic, meaning that they believe in more than one God. And yet, even in the Christian faith, there, there are some that, that, that can get confused. And they will say that all these natural disasters or natural evils are, are solely the work of the devil. And the reason they say this is because they think that, that it gets God off the hook somehow. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The, the second way that man tries to solve this problem is, is to deny evil altogether. This, this is the way that most of the, the Eastern religions and some of the mind science cults of the West tend to think. They, they will reject the, the material reality by making the claim that evil and, and suffering are, are just illusions. Therefore, if one can just train their mind to think correctly, all, all sickness, all pain, and even death will just go away. Again, this is, this is just an attempt at, at saving face for God. Of course, there are other theories out there as well. But, but just like these two, they all come in conflict with what the Bible truly teaches. So what does the, the, the Bible say? We have to go to the book of Genesis to get our first glimpse of the cause of evil. Look, look at Genesis 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Here we see a, a time before there was evil, when, when the world was uncorrupted and, and man was sinless. And God had given to Adam this one command. But you all know the story. Sure enough, a Adam ate from that tree. And, and as a result, he was cursed by God ultimately resulting in his death. Paul talks about this in the book of Romans. Look at, look at Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. What we see here is that, that sin brought about death to all men. And that, and that death, it comes to us in many different ways. One of which is through creation itself. Look at Romans 8, verse 19. It says this, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Part of the curse that God had placed upon Adam was that nature itself went into de decay. This, this is why we see things such as tsunamis and, and hurricanes and yes, even sickness. God has orchestrated these things as a penalty for the sin of man. So when we come to the question, why COVID-19? Our answer is because it was God's plan. It's part of the curse that, that, that came with Adam's sin. This is the Christian answer. We don't try to get God off the hook. 
Rather, we see it as, as it coming from him for his own good purposes. Yes, God even uses sickness and disease to bring about his glory. But if sickness is from God, how then should we as disciples of Jesus react? Today I want to go over five specific things that, that we as Christians should do. In terms of frequency, the, the command that we find most often in the Bible is do not be afraid. And this is the first way how, how we as Christians should respond, by not reacting in fear. I'm sure many of you have seen this week pretty much the, the whole world has closed its doors, right? And there are differing reasons behind these shutdowns. Part of this is driven by wisdom, but part of it is driven by fear. As Christians, we are called to the one, but not to the other. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says this, If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? We are, we are not to be a people who, who give in to our worries and our anxieties, allowing fear to direct our steps. You see, worry and, and fear, they, they really don't help anything. They, they can't change your circumstances, and, and they definitely won't give you a calm mind so that you can think rationally. For when fear takes control, it leads to panic. And panicked people act irrationally and oftentimes selfishly. This is why you see a, a run on toilet paper at the stores. I, I mean, it makes no sense whatsoever, but, it, but it's happening. Amen. <laughs> Seriously. I, Todd, he, he came in today and told me that he had to deal with, I forget which store it was, but yeah, Dollar General, they were fighting over toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know. But the reason people are doing this is because they're afraid. Right? And so they think that if they buy up a year's supply of, of teepee or maybe any other good that they're thinking of, that, that that will prepare them for the worst. We as Christians shouldn't be led by our fears and our worries. Rather, we should be at peace knowing that God has control of everything. But, but how do we do this? How do we have peace when, when our world seems to be in chaos? L listen to Paul's words in, in Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If worry leads to panic, then prayer leads to peace. And this is the second way we as Christians should respond to this crisis. We should pray. We, we should give to God all of our worries, all of our fears, and allow the Holy Spirit to fill our minds with His peace. Here's what prayer does. It, it takes your focus off of yourself and places it on your Creator on the one who is both sovereign and good. And instead of relying on yourself to solve all your problems, 
you put them into the hands of really the only one who has the true power to do something about it. This will not only calm your fears, granting you that peace, but it is also the most effective thing that you can be doing. Look at James 5, verses 13 through 16. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God truly does listen to his people. He acts when a person prays in faith. We as Christians should be in prayer, not only for ourselves, but for our neighbors as well. We should be praying for, for those who have this virus. We should be praying that, that God will give guidance to our leaders. And we should be praying that, that we will not panic, but find peace in Christ. And once we have prayed, once we have calmed ourselves down, and are, are no longer acting out in fear, we will be able to use both wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 7 say this. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it, though it costs all you have, get understanding. Here we see that both wisdom and understanding are precious gifts from God. Understanding is, is the gathering of knowledge. And, and wisdom is the path that we choose once we have that knowledge. What do we know of COVID-19? That is understanding. What is the most God-honoring approach now that we know more about this virus? That is wisdom. This is why we wash our hands frequently. This is why we have foregone handshakes for the time being. And it's why if, if you're showing symptoms, you avoid public spaces and get tested. Proverbs 22 verse 3 says this, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. God has, has given us brains for a reason. Let's, let's use them. But not, not only are we to be wise, but we are to be loving in that wisdom as well. And this is our fourth response to the crisis. We, as Christians, need to put our neighbors ahead of ourselves. Instead of asking, how can I stay healthy, let us ask, how can I help those who are vulnerable? Maybe this means bringing food to the elderly. Perhaps it means opening up your home the way Martin Luther did. But it could just be be the simple things. Like when you're buying groceries or supplies and you ask yourself, how much should I really take so that it will not affect the family down the street who's also in need? But not only are we to be wise and loving, but we should be ready to share Christ with those who are living in fear. 
And this is our fifth and final way that we can respond to COVID-19. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. God uses such calamities to bring people to him. And we as ambassadors of Christ need to be prepared to bring the hope of the gospel to those who are despairing. And it is this last point that leads to our final question. What can COVID-19 teach us? Now, earlier when we looked at the question, why COVID-19, we saw that the Bible teaches that things like this come from God because of the curse placed upon us as Adam's offspring. And yet God uses these curses for his own good purposes. Now, now you may be asking, what good can come from a pandemic like this? Turn with me to Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now, there were some present at that time who, who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died in the tower in Siloam, when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now what is described here are two incidents where seemingly random people died. The first was caused by Pilate. This, this wasn't some natural evil like COVID-19. Rather, it was the will of a, of a wicked ruler as he killed these Galileans who were in the act of worship. However, the, the second incident was not caused by some cruel intention of man. Instead, the, the structural integrity of, of the tower in Siloam failed. It, it was the natural decay of God's creation that caused those 18 deaths. But what does Jesus say? Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. In other words, all, all these evils, they're, 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 they attack indiscriminately. The, this tower just happened to fall on whoever was present that day. It's kind of like 9-11. Those, those terrorists, they, they weren't targeting any one individual, but whoever happened to be there at that time died that day. COVID-19 doesn't care who you are or what you have done. It's just looking for a warm body to be a host. And yet in the same breath, it is God who is allowing COVID-19 to flourish right now. Why? To wake us up. To, to show us our own mortality. To, to demonstrate to us both our sinful nature and His justice. And God does this as a kindness to us. Look at Psalm 45, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. 
Dear friends, everything God does is righteous. It is good. And in the same breath, all His actions are out of love for His creation. And this includes allowing COVID-19 to exist. This is a wake-up call in order that you might draw closer to Him. That, that you would see your need for a Savior and repent, as someday you too will perish. What can COVID-19 teach us? That, that there is an hourglass above each of our heads. Nothing is for certain. There is a day when, when God will demand your life. It may be COVID-19. It may be something else. But if you don't repent, if you don't trust in Jesus before that day comes, then, then, then you will suffer a fate far worse than COVID-19. We are all under the curse of God. That, that is the judgment for our sins. But the true cure can only be found in Jesus, the one who died for you on the cross, taking the penalty that you deserve. Turn from your sins and trust in Him. For that is the only place where you'll find true peace. Let us pray. Father, as we are living in these unprecedented times, our, our natural tendency is toward fear and panic. We ask now for your peace, for your wisdom, for your love. May your Holy Spirit guide us in our actions so, so that the world might ask us about the hope that we have in Christ. We pray for those who are sick, that they might get well. We pray for those who are dying, that you would rescue their souls. Be with us this day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.